Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.34 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott here with you while the Oilers and our friend Bob Stoffer travel to Chicago as what is essentially a six-game road trip continues. You know you had the spot game last night on home ice, but I bet you the team would have rather just... I don't know, stayed a couple more nights in New York or Chicago, two of the premier road destinations in the NHL. I don't know, but sure. Come home, host Matthew Kachuk, send him down the QE2 with a loss in his hand, just one point of a possible two. And uh, I'm excited to see what Kachuk and uh, the return will bring, you know, to the Saddle Dome. If you were there, would you be booing? I know you were at Rogers Place booing last night. That was funny. But would you be booing if you were a Flames fan? I mean, he did a lot. He had an all-time season for that franchise last year on an all-time five-on-five line and then showed very little loyalty to the franchise after that. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you could find it within yourself to cheer and applaud. I don't know. We don't really have an equivalent like that in Edmonton. So there's, there, there's so f- little gamesmanship like that in the league anymore that it's, it's very isolated. I want to talk to Frank about some potential trade options here for Edmonton as they look for what I believe is, is a need for a different dimension in the bottom nine or pardon me, the bottom six of the forward groups. It's, it's as simple as that. And I love what they are able to get out of some internal options like James Hamblin. But I wonder what else might be out there as the season ticks along. Let's find out with our friend Frank Saravalli. Daily face-offs, Frank Saravalli for the horses. Horse Racing Alberta presenting live standard bread racing, racing each uh, Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. We'll see you at the races. How you doing, Frank? Pretty good, Brennan. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you. Uh, my heart's hanging in there. It's been tested over the last couple of Oilers games, but uh, I, I've called them the cardiac kids off the top of the show because it's not looking easy out of the gate for them, and yet they're still finding a way to get it done. Maybe that's a byproduct of having probably the two most effective players in the world right now. Uh, and when you get the game to they overtime, easy, don't they? Good Sometimes. luck. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just funny to me how... Um, it looks like there's such a, a, a narrow margin between wins and losses for this team. And here they are at 12 and 10 and getting it done in, in quite spectacular fashion, Frank. Yeah, it's, it's been incredible to watch, especially these last couple games. And I think there's lots of positive signs to point to in terms of some different contributions that they've got. And we can dive in a little bit with Evan Bouchard and the three goals in the last two games. But One thing I really noticed, you mentioned the record and these comebacks, like watching McDavid and Dreisaitl after the OT win last night, it wasn't like an expression of sheer joy. It almost feels a little bit like relief, like kind of like we pulled off another one. I think they realize, you know, even just a quarter of the way in, how much this season has had some significant ups and downs and a roller coaster that the entire team as a collective, not them, needs to be better. 
and they need to make sure that they're not putting themselves in these situations moving forward where they're down to the slimmest margin to win and that they do a better job of, you know, whether it's not getting down or having a lead and not blowing it, that they're in a spot that the record probably should be a little bit better than where it is at this exact juncture. They did run into essentially three white-hot goaltenders in a row when you think about Sorokin, then Shesterkin, and then Spencer Knight again last night. But these are the challenges you're going to encounter on a nightly basis in the NHL. Every re- a team that rolls into the building is going to pose some sort of threat. And and what I thought really impressed me last night, Frank, I said this off the top, was Florida is, is for the last couple of years, just a volume-shooting team. And that's kind oh. of what gave L.A. the advantage, at least to in the early part of that playoff series just just throw everything on net now we see the oilers actually take it to florida they outshot them 40 to 28 and sort of beat them at their own game at least through two periods last night yeah i was gonna say that was one of the key stats for me from last night's game was holding florida under 30 they average north of 40 per game and In fact, that's one of the things that when you talk to some people in and around the Panthers organization, they hang their hat on um, saying, look, the numbers and record may not be there, but we believe the process is strong. They need to defend better for one, but they're in a spot with the volume shooting that they do. They feel like they're generating enough, not just shots as a whole, but quality chances to the point where they can be a really dangerous team. And just drawing it back to the Oilers for a second, like this has been a season, you know, even just a quarter of the way in, like there's been some trials and tribulations. They've had to fight through a bit with the injuries that they've had, uh, some of the pieces that they're missing up front now, and particularly the schedule. You mentioned the goalies that they ran into, some of the teams that they've faced, the road trips they've had. They've got a real opportunity starting with the trip uh, this quick two gamer starting in Chicago to really make some headwinds, make some, make some, uh, some, some progress in the standings. You know, you've got Chicago, Minnesota has struggled, but then Montreal, Washington, Arizona, like you got to pile up points and this is where it should begin. It's bizarre to see Edmonton in a wild card spot only because the teams ahead of them, Frank, the Seattle Kraken at 13-5-3. They've rattled off, what, five wins in a row. Um, I don't know whether there's staying power in that, so for Edmonton to find that consistent game, you'd like to think that the talent on the roster will eventually drag them back to more of where we expected them to be, closer to the top of the Pacific Division. But maybe you can identify what has been going so right for Seattle thus far, or even Los Angeles for that matter. It's got Edmonton kind of further down the ladder in the standings than many had expected out of the gate. Yeah, I think there's no doubt that the Kraken have been a, a pretty big surprise. I mean, 9-1-1 one, and one in the month of November. They're in a spot, Brendan, where the only team that's better than them in the league this month has been the New Jersey Devils with the insane winning streak that they rattled off so i think it's a number of factors that have contributed to the kraken um, exceeding expectations one of them was a pretty obvious one heading into the season and that their goaltending had to be better and even if it just got to league average last season um, their goaltending was a historic 30 year worst for any team in the nhl last year So just getting to league average this year would mean 60 fewer goals against if you do the math. 
that's an insane turnaround in terms of cutting down on the goals that hit the back of the net. They've gotten better production up front. The three Bs have been game-changing. Burakovsky, Beniers, um, and I'm blanking. Bjorkstrand is the third one from Columbus. That Those guys have been ridiculously good. And I think part of it, too, is they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder as the, the third thing that sort of brought them together. For all the issues that Seattle had last year, effort was never one of them. They've been a hard team to play against and stingy in terms of um, what they try and allow. And I think that served them pretty well. Is it sustainable in the standings to, to answer you know part of the question that you posed? I don't think so, just because of the teams chasing them. And I point to not just Edmonton, but also Calgary as well. Like, don't forget that Calgary at nine, nine, and three. Much you know, um, to the appreciation of Oiler fans, I'm sure <laughs> um, it, they're in a spot where they've really uh, underwhelmed. I mean, look at Jonathan Huberto and his lack of production relative to his career. Look at Mackenzie Weger and his struggles so far. And the guy that Edmonton, I think ha- he's never, you know, it's certainly at least this season hasn't been the same. Uh, since he was demolished in the Battle of Alberta, and that's Jacob Markstrom. It's amazing to look at the top of the Pacific Division and see the two expansion teams right there. But just to throw another stat uh, your way, Frank, like 78 goals against surrendered by Edmonton, just 60 by Seattle. So you've already, and we're 20 games through the season, they've played the same. Actually, Edmonton's played one more game, and they have surrendered 18 more goals. So to me, that's that's almost a team defense thing when you're looking they've at that kind of contrast. they one more than the Oilers. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's wild stuff in the Pacific, but wild so what, stuff what right across the league. What does that to me? Brendan, in terms of uh, the Oilers and their overall team structure, we know how ridiculously good the Oilers are, not just on the power play, but when McDavid and Dreisaitl are on the ice. This is not an – I'm not breaking news here when I say that the Oilers need more from their bottom six. They need more juice. They just do. And I think the numbers going back that up, a team that – in Seattle that doesn't have anywhere near the star power, and that's the big thing that stands out, they don't have any stars. They're doing it. Veneers is, is on his way to be one. He's not yet. They're, they're doing it by committee, and they're doing it offensively better than Edmonton is to this point. Veneers is in his first year in the league. He's got more points than all but four Edmonton Oilers. So there you go. Um, As far as what Edmonton's general manager or front office could do, as we chat with uh, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff here for our friends at the Horses, um, we are past American Thanksgiving, right? So we we could theoretically start to see the trade market heat up, open up a little bit here. And I wonder just how much of a buyer Edmonton's become because of where their record is right now and because we've watched 22 games worth of kind of a lacking dimension in the bottom six. Edmonton, to me, Frank, is is one of the teams in the league who almost seems to run away from the fact that there could still be a place for that physical element. Evander Kane was clearly supposed to take up most of that role, but they don't have that now for, say, three months, and I'm worried about where the standings are going to sit in three months if they don't have some sort of different dimension in the bottom six here. I think dimension is a great word for it because I look at the bottom six and I say, too many players that are one-dimensional that do a lot 
of similar things that have a strong skill game, but nothing else, no bite, no juice that they're adding to the lineup when they're not scoring. And we know that that's been way too frequent. So I think that's one of the big things on the wish list. If you're, you know, just getting past Cyber Monday and you're doing your holiday shopping, if you're Ken Holland, it's, it's not just someone for the bottom six that can help there. But I also think there's a center component that would really help this team in terms of versatility and flexibility for Jay Woodcroft in his lineup that having a center that is really strong and, and in fact may have some of those elements in his game, um, I think could really boost this team moving forward. I think a lot of people heading into the season might have said, oh, there, you know, it's probably a defenseman that the Oilers might want to look at. I think it's center, and I think it's adding an element to that bottom six forward group before you then go down the path looking at defense. And I think part of the reason for that is you see these last two games from someone like Bouchard, who I think has had a bit of a crisis of confidence this season, that you start to see that come out of him come out of his shell again, and you're like, okay, that would solve a huge issue for this team if, if Bouchard can, can really get going. 5.5 shooting percentage on the year, even after this little outburst. So clearly he's had some bad luck. If you want to call it bad luck, he's also been shooting into shin pads all season long. So there's that. But when we were having this conversation this time last week, it was about Edmonton's seven total goal contributions from the defense. That's up past 11 now, if I'm not mistaken. So it can change quickly, and there's some secondary scoring supplied. So I wonder, I wonder, Frank, when I see, you know, I don't think the Oilers were ever serious about Ryan Reeves personally, but I wonder about maybe a, a Zach McEwen when I see how far out of it Philadelphia has fallen or even I mean could you get Nick Delorier even though he just signed I just I, I don't know how well suited Edmonton will be for a playoff run against a team like Calgary once again against a scrappy LA team when you're relying on guys like Leon Dreisaitl to be the equalizer say even last night throwing a big hit on Radko Gudis I, I love the intensity I don't know that I love that matchup for Edmonton yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's something to consider, and I think it's something that the Oilers have probably talked about internally as well. Like, even looking at the way Calgary rejigged things this summer and and made the significant changes that they did basically out of necessity with two guys voicing uh, their interest and opinion in not returning, is that I looked at the Flames, for instance, you know, and, and everyone, it's a natural thought process to look there, not just because of the rivalry, but also because of the likelihood of, of these two teams getting in and where they might slot up. You're probably going to have to run into them at some point or another in any run. That Calgary probably wouldn't be as good as they were last year in the regular season and certainly wouldn't score as much, but might actually be better suited to compete in the playoffs and go on a deeper run than last year because they seem to just be a bit stronger in some of those areas that you're talking about. Now, I don't know that that's the case. And in fact, you know, statistically, when you look at the standings at this point, um, the, the playoff odds are probably going to begin to shift a bit in terms of are both those teams, Calgary and Edmonton, even likely to get in. Um, but I do think that's a significant consideration from Edmonton's perspective in the sense that if you were to play last year's Battle of Alberta a hundred times, the, the Oilers won, of course, but how many times would they have won if you kept playing it over and over and over again? And that's 
not the point of the exercise because all it takes is one, and that's not to take anything away from what the Oilers accomplished last year, but I don't think the odds would be in Edmonton's favor. So a couple more questions for you. Let's open it up to the league more so here, chatting with uh, Daily Faceoffs Frank Saravalli for the horses. Uh, big news out of Dallas today, and I wonder what kind of precedent this may set. Uh, stars inking Rope Hints, eight years, $67.6 million. He's 26. Uh, he's got, what, 24 points in 22 games this year. But Frank, at uh, just under $9 million AAV, it's 8.45 how hard do you think Bo Horvat's camp is looking at that? Oh, I'm sure there's a number of players today, Brendan, that are all perked up over this extension for Rupe Hints. I think, you know, go down the list, whether it's Cole Caulfield and his next new deal or, you know, name a player that's a pending uh, restricted free agent that's saying, like, I, I'm ready to cash in. I think it's just another market setting deal and especially if you're in Horvat's camp you're saying well this is in a no tax situation in Texas where that number 8.45 is actually quite a bit larger when you consider some of those implications in real cash um i believe this is this is a fantastic deal for for Dallas and i i've been kind of laughing at the people that have been sliding into my mentions on Twitter saying, oh, man, what an overpay this is. How could you possibly pay Rupe Hints the same amount as Miro Haskinen um, moving forward on a very similar contract? And my answer to that is you're telling on yourself. You're telling everyone in the world that you don't watch the Dallas Stars at any uh, level of closeness because Hintz is such a big part of what they do. He's a bona fide number one center in this league. He flies. He's a pain in the ass to play against. And more than that, he's someone that um, with the consistent production that he's had and the step forward that he's taken in his game, being basically a point per game player for each of these last three years, he's someone that you can count on for a long time. And so the fact that they're putting that twin pillar of a deal up in Dallas, there's no mistake there. Uh, it's also signaling out of respect to Haskinen how big of a, a deal he is to their franchise moving forward and that the hints number doesn't exceed that, but it should tell you what he means to the stars moving forward. And that's the exact quote uh, I'm reading here from Jim Nell, Frank. It says, um, I think it shows the respect for Miro to know the kind that he sets the bar for us. I think it also shows you the respect we have for Rope Hints that he's at the same level. But exceeding both of them this year is Jason Robertson, uh, second mm. round pick. So it's not like he came completely out of the blue. He must be playing wing with Hints. Like, he is just absolutely on fire. 19 goals, 36 points now, trailing only McDavid in the scoring race. How much, how integral, I guess, are those two in Robertson and Hints and the success to each other? What can you say about that? Oh, well, he certainly is playing wing. I mean, it's they've got a little Batman and Robin going on there between Robertson and Hints. And you know, to this point, Hintz has sort of been like Robin, but he's he's damn good at his job. And Robertson, like to me, what's most impressive about both these guys is there's always this unknown factor. And I think you look at the the trade that was made between Calgary and Florida with Kachuk and with um, 
Weir and Huberto, and then Johnny Gaudreau also moving on. Guys coming off of career years, how do they respond? What direction do they go? And it's interesting that out of those few guys that I mentioned, Kachuk is the only one that has vastly um, exceeded or gotten back to the level that he was at last year. He's on pace for 119 points, which would be a career high, and he's on pace to match his goal production from last year, 40-something. So he's been incredibly impressive for Florida, and you guys saw that he remains, uh, even in a different uniform, the straw that stirs his team's drink. Robertson got to a level last year that not a lot of people saw him getting to. And I think there was some question of, can he repeat that again? Can he go back out and be a 41 goal scorer and 79 point player? And he's saying, not only can I do that, I'm going to exceed that. And he's on pace for, I think, 56 goals and just an incredible season to this point. If I were filling out my heart trophy ballot today, Brendan, I would have Connor McDavid one and Jason Robertson two. And I'd at least have to have a little bit of a debate in terms of the value to their teams. That's how good Robertson has been. Yeah. Pretty special year thus far. Frank, thank you so much as always for your time today. Thanks, Brandon. Take care. All right. Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff for our friends at the Horses, Horse Racing Alberta. We're going to blend these breaks here, Derek. Sorry about that. But I'll remind everybody right now that guests of the show receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night out on the town, every meal is an occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Maybe if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift, though, you could join Oilers now in Vegas this January. Watch the Oilers play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. New West Travel Hockey Package, including airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel right there on the Strip. Uh, great game tickets and a welcome reception with Bob and some special guests for the Oilers now Vegas Hockey Package. Call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. Interesting stuff. I mean, I think everybody that's paying half attention to the Oilers understands that they could definitely benefit from adding a little bit of grit to the bottom of the lineup. That was before they had bodies go down. Now they're missing four of their top nine forwards, and you just need some warm bodies. Had a texture here asking me what I thought of James Hamblin's game last night. I thought it was excellent. He's a hardworking forward, and I think that players like that who can really lean into that aspect of their game, chip, chase, play hard on the boards, watched him really engaged with a, a huge Eric Stahl. He might have eight inches on on him, and he was there fully engaged in the in the boards battle. So uh, I saw him forechecking. I saw him engaged with Ryan Lomberg, who we know is no slouch physically either. And and Hamblin does all this at, what, five, eight or nine, I believe they have him listed at. So you can tell that he's been a resilient, determined hockey player his entire career. And to me, there is a place for that on this team. I think he'll be good here for the next couple games in sort of a stopgap role. Get him back down to the farm, let him ply his trade more. And then if you need to, if you need to call him back up later on, great. But early, early returns, uh, so far so good in my opinion. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We're back with you. You got a call? You got a thought? Let me know. 780-496-0063.